and we are going to have our baptisms. Good morning. I know you're thinking, wow, check the pins, I know. Inside it, but no Jesus, no turning back. There's no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning
turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before. 
just witnessed that that statement of of declaration of people saying yes Jesus I am going to follow you for the rest of the days of my life and father we pray that this moment will be a marker for each and every one of those people that as they go through the ups and downs of life that they will always be able to look back at this moment as a signpost to say no I chose to follow Jesus despite circumstance despite the good or the bad that moment of baptism, I chose to follow Jesus and that's what I'm going to continue to do. We thank you, Lord God, for what you are doing in each and every one of those lives, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, we are at that moment of the service where we're going to farewell our children. So we're going to release Unihill Kids. So if you would all like to head out now, kids, that would be wonderful. Um, we have a great kids program. And haven't the kids been incredible today? Yeah. My two that are here just absolutely love the baptisms. They were loving watching that happen. And one other thing, can I just say, isn't it nice having brass on stage? Who else has enjoyed the brass? Yeah. Come on. Awesome. Um, Jude, Jude, my little boy, has been all over it. Dad, is that a trumpet? What's the big red thing in the front of it? He's been loving it. So great to have that. Um, I am now going to introduce Pastor Charles. Oh, connect time. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Why don't we do that? It's good. So we're going to, why don't we do some connect time? And then in a moment, I will introduce Pastor Charles, who's going to come and bring the word. So take a moment and welcome each other and say hello. Awesome, welcome, welcome. You can take your seats, Ben. Thank you for all that you do. Greatly appreciate it. 10.45, amen. You know what's funny is they pulled the plug. So during the service, we may hear, but that's what that'll be. Won't be any evil spirit. It's just the bathtub um, doing, doing its thing. Praise God. He's good, isn't he? 
So we're going to get into the Word this morning. My prayer is that I'm able to uh, speak what God has put on my heart in a way that you understand. You know, they, they say one of, one of the things about communicating is assuming that it's happened. Uh, so my prayer this morning is that God would speak to you where you sit, in your seat, in your inner man, in order that we take one step closer to Jesus together this morning. Who's ready to do that? Let's open in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I thank you, Father, that you are in this place. Holy Spirit, we give you this meeting. We give you this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. So emotional moment for me uh, just now. How cute is she? You know, I was baptised at the age of eight, uh, which was incredible. My mum, my dad, my brother here. My dad baptised me. I still remember it, white singlet. You know, rules these days, don't wear white when you're being baptised. Just a hint. Quick way to awkward church videos straight away. No white, that's the rule. But I got baptised and I still remember to this day going under the water and coming up and feeling like something had shifted in my life. And what this is, it's a step closer to Jesus. It's another step of faith that we take as believers. And in the build-up to this week, I said to Kiara, because she asked me a while ago if she could be baptised, but I really wanted to talk about it with her. I wanted to make sure that she was at a place of understanding what it meant uh, and this week when we were having the conversation, uh, it was really good. Thank you, Dave. He's bringing some props out for me uh, for later on, uh, which is good. We didn't plan that half the stage wouldn't be available, but that's okay. Um, I can jump over that. I'm kidding. I won't do that. Who wants to see me do that? All right. Just one time real. No, no, I couldn't. I'll never make it. Awkward church video number two. It would be superb. Um, no, I'll never make it. So, um... No, 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 come on, let's move, let's move. So we're talking, I'm talking with Kiara, and she says, I said, Kiara, why do you want to be baptised? Why? And she says to me, because I want to be a sheep. I'm like, I don't understand your answer, but that's very cute. She says to me, no, no, Dad, because if Jesus is my shepherd, I want to follow him wherever I go. And I thought, you know what, that, that is a transformative statement. That's a statement that to me showed understanding. And today I want to finish our series in Galatians with my sermon subtitle for this week being Led by the Spirit. Where the Spirit leads, I want to follow. So today, uh, for those of you that may have not been able to be here the last three weeks, we've been working uh, systematically through the book of Galatians with the first week, uh, chapters 1 and 2, setting the context. So here is the context in Fast Forward. Paul has gone to a region that are full of Gentile Christians that have received the gospel of Jesus Christ through faith. What's been incredible about receiving the gospel through faith is that there's been an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and they've received the Holy Spirit and there's been miracles and there's been transformed lives and there's been incredible things going on. But then what happens is somebody who doesn't like Paul and individuals that are not named uh, come in and they begin to discredit Paul. 
they begin to say, we are Christians, but we are also Jewish. And we don't think Paul preached the full gospel. You see, because to Paul and to what we believe, the full gospel is that faith in Jesus Christ and through faith in Jesus Christ, you're made righteous before God. But what was happening is these guys are saying, no, 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 he's only doing that for popularity. He's only doing that so that he looks good in your eyes. And what he's saying really is that you need Jesus, but you also need the law. They go, you need the Jewish customs, you need circumcision, you need to honour the holidays. What's happening is that you need Jesus and the law, which is not the case. And what happens is eventually Paul finds out about it and he writes a letter. And what I love about this letter is what I've shared in the first week is that the tone, he's very agitated. Normally in Paul's flow, he, he's writing a letter. He says, hey, it's Paul and I'm writing with someone else to the Corinthians or to the Galatians or to the Romans. And then it's, I thank God for your faith and I thank God for what you're doing. In this letter, he forgets about thanking God and gets straight to the word, I'm astonished. He's upset. And why is he upset? Because his fundamental conviction is this. It's not about the rules. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about trying to do things out of your own will. It's about receiving the gift of the transformation that is received through encountering Jesus Christ. So then what happens is Paul is an artistic debater. He, he uses their history to explain why Christ is the only way. He then uses their culture to explain through covenants. He then uses all different bits and pieces, what's going on in their current society in order to rationale that Jesus Christ makes you righteous through faith in Him. So then he goes on to talk about other particular things in 3 and 4. And we land in chapters 5 and 6 today. I want to share with you uh, from the perspective of he answers, he answers this question. He answers the question, well, without the law, how are they going to live morally? Is, is faith in Jesus Christ mean that it's just you can go and do whatever you want by whatever means and follow any desire you have and, and be, because of that, you got a green light to do it because all you need is faith in Jesus Christ. What about the rules? Like how will they live morally if they don't have parameters to live by? This is really the question uh, that they're asking. But I love Paul in in chapter 4, he begins to talk about Abraham, which we shared at the end of last week. And he begins to share about the story of Abraham, where he says, Abraham was given a promise, and that promise was for a son. And on that journey of waiting for a son that's not arrived yet, Sarah, Abraham's wife, says, take my servant Hagar. And, and, and make her your wife in order that you can have a son. And, and, and once again, the thing is that's happening is that he's trying to fulfill the promise of God through his own means. And what happens is a son is born. It's Ishmael. Then many years later, we know that the son of the promise comes. And that is Isaac. But Paul begins to paint an incredible picture of what that scenario symbolizes. You see, what, what he is doing there in that moment, and, let, and we'll quickly turn to it before we move on, is this, is that Hagar represented the law. 
whereas Sarah represented grace. And Ishmael represented the flesh. And Isaac represented the spirit. And what happens, we know in that story, is that eventually when Ishmael begins to battle against Isaac, and isn't it funny how the word always talks about that the spirit and the flesh, they're always at war and fighting. What happens is Sarah says, you've got to go. So effectively, if you look at the symbol, symbolization there, they're saying where the law and flesh is can no longer abide where the grace of God and the Spirit of God is. And that they will never inherit the kingdom of God because the inheritance is due to the promise. And our promise is found in Jesus Christ. I'm like, it's just an incredible answer. For me, I was just like, checkmate, sign off the letter, let's go. But then he goes, no, no, I'm going to answer the question. I'm going to answer. So in chapters 5 and 6, I really want to land in chapter 5. So I'm actually going to finish the series uh, just quick because I want to go back to this moment and, and this chapter. And I really feel this is where God wants me to land it. So in chapter 6, it talks about uh, the calling cards or the earmarks of a Christian community as he's closing out his letter to them. And, and what I wanted to quickly do is just give you three things to think about. This isn't where we're going to sit in the Word today, but it's something that when you go home and you read your Word, I want you to think about how this applies to you as an individual and also to us as a community. So in chapter 6, it goes on to say this, Brothers and sisters, this is verse number 1, If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, that's us, should restore that person gently. Here's the calling card of a community. It's part of our mission. We need to see people restored in this house. We need to see, I pray that there are people in this community that come in and their life isn't in order. They're, they're doing things that are wrong. I don't mind as long as they are taking a step closer to Jesus, they are beginning to honour Him, they are beginning to, to live a life that is in conduct with who He is because we're called as a Christian community to what? Restore that person gently. To us who are led by the Spirit, restore that person gently. The second thing that I believe should be an earmark of our community is in verse uh, chapter uh, verse two. It says, "Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens." We need to continue to be a community that recognizes needs and acts about it. Okay, it says here to respond to need. See your burden and carry it. I love. Love, love coming down here at the moment on Friday afternoons. Our foyer is filled with people from our community that right now have a burden that needs to be carried. It could be finances, it could be homes splitting up, but whatever it is, they've landed in a place where they uh, fit the criteria to receive a one box, which is a fruit and vegetable and dairy pack that they're able to come in and get for free and be able to provide for their family. I love it. Because I come down on Sunday and one person from our community is sitting on a couch chatting with someone. Then we've got another person from our community using the coffee machine to be able to give them a coffee. Because see, in this place, they're coming to fulfill a need and we're ready to give them love. Because that is what the kingdom of God calls us to do. Because it says here, carry each other's burdens. That's what we're called to do as a community. And then in verse Seven, I believe it is, or eight, half of seven and eight. It says this, do not be perceived. God cannot be mocked. 
A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. We're going to be a house that knows where to sow. We're going to sow in the right places. My desire is that when we put things on in this community, it is for you. It is to get to know you. It is to help you take a step closer to Jesus. So whether it's a Bible study, get there. Whether it's a marriage course, get there. Whether it's people that you know and you're able to help them get to the youth ministry, let's do it because we want to be a church that sows in the right place. Amen? Amen. Let me take a breath. (sighs) And now let's go. We're going to land in chapter 5. I love God. Uh, I really do. I feel that lately uh, I study a portion of Scripture all week and then where I land and where God takes me is often different to where I plan. But that's what it is about being spirit-led. And that's where we're about to head into uh, this morning. So from the context of if you listen today, my prayer is that there will be conviction in you that you submit your life to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because as you do that, you will grow, you will mature, and you will end up in places that are far beyond what you could have ever hoped for or dreamed for as God leads your life. So in chapter 5, what happens is Paul now has uh, built his defense about why Jesus makes us righteous as we, we put our faith in him. But he begins to answer now that question that I talked about earlier. So if having faith in Christ makes you righteous, is it then uh, just okay to go and do what you want and just come back and receive uh, forgiveness? And, and as we read on, we're going to land quickly in verse 13. But I want to just read to you and talk for a moment out of verse 9. So verse 8, just to give you the context, I'll, I'll continue to read it. I'll start actually in 7. It says this. So you were running a good race. Who cut you? to keep you from obeying the truth. So what he's saying to the Galatians is you've accepted Jesus by faith. So who's now cut you off and is trying to add obstacles and devalue what Christ has done on the cross? He says that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works its way through the whole dough. Recently, I bought a Weber and we've been making our own pizza dough. And it's, it's, I don't know if anybody's ever done it. How fun is it to see how much the dough rises because of the yeast? It's just fun. Uh, I had my first fail on Thursday. I don't know what I did. It just didn't rise at all. That's depressing also as well. Uh, but what happens is it's just a small amount of yeast, but yet it works its way through the entire batch of dough. And, and what Paul is saying to the Christian community is be careful what people speak into your life because even a small word that devalues the work of Christ in your life will eventually affect the whole community. See, it's really interesting. What Paul is actually saying is when you begin to look at cross-referencing, he's actually saying, cut it off while it's small. It's like a spiritual cancer that you need to remove because here's the thing, and here's a principle. All sin wants to grow. 
What starts small with a little bit of dishonesty will eventually grow into full lies if it's not cut off at the beginning. Paul is saying you need to address what is going on now because if you don't, it is going to spread through the whole community. I remember uh, a few years ago now, or maybe a year or so, my grandma sold her house. Uh, she had lived in this house well over the length of my lifetime. And, and what had happened is um, it hadn't been renovated a lot. And, and in the uh, bathroom on the roof, if you go into an old house, you know what I'm going to say, there was all this mould. Uh, who's ever been in a bathroom like that? Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah, not great for a guy who's finicky with hygiene. So for me, the, the mould the whole way through. But what had happened is uh, my, my family, in trying to just quickly uh, clean up the property in order to see it um, re- sold, they painted over the mould. Oh, no, everyone said, oh, no, like, you've done it, I'm sure. <laughs> but anyway, we know what happened, don't we, is that the mould reappeared. Because here's the thing. If it's not dealt with properly, it will always re-emerge. Because the reality is that Paul is saying you need to deal with this little bit of dis- this little bit of uh, of dissension, dishonouring of Christ, devaluing of His work on the cross. Because if you don't, not only will it reappear, but it'll multiply, it'll grow, and it'll spread. See, here's the principle: we need to cut it while it's small. We need to remove it. See, what happened is my dad came in with straight bleach and a paintbrush, and I hope a mask. I can't remember if there was a mask, but anyway, we had a great afternoon after that. But what happened is he. He painted the, the mould in order that it would be removed and then it could be painted and sold. He dealt with the problem so that it could be what it was meant to be. All sin will grow in our life. My question to you today is what are the voices that are speaking into your life? Are they devaluing the work of Christ in your life? Or are they pushing you towards the cross and towards the work that God has done for you? Because one is going to push you into a greater relationship with, with Jesus, but one can bring you the other way. And there's the noise. We're right there. It happened. But that's all right. It's all done now. So now I can move on from that. So what's happening is that we need to listen to the right people. I'm adamant that Paul is addressing those in the community that we're trying to devalue the, the, the work on the cross. You need to be careful of the people that you allow to speak into your life because what will start small will grow. We need to have the discernment that is led by the Spirit in order to cut off what needs to be cut off in our lives. Amen. Amen. Give me a wave if you're with me. So let's go to verse 13. This is Paul answering the question really that they've asked. Can you live a life that's righteous without the law? And he says this, You, brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So he's already answering the question in part. He'll go and explain how it's done. But what he's saying here is, don't use the freedom you found in Jesus as an opportunity now to indulge the flesh, but rather serve one another now in love. See, here's the thing. When you encounter God and the Holy Spirit, there is a shift in who you are. Because it goes on further down to say this in 16. So I say, 
Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When you walk in the Spirit, when you choose to take every step that you take in life under the submission to the Holy Spirit who guides you, your desires will change. If you have a look now in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, and let's quickly turn there. Let me find it. It says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindsets on what the Spirit desires. Here's the thing, is that walking in the Spirit is not a green light to go on sinning. It's a green light to go on serving one another in love. It's a, very, it's a paradigm shift because what happens is, is the flesh is really all about, it's who we are, it's our natural desires, it's our sinful desires. I want to I gratify what I want. I want to do what I want. I don't want to serve you. I want to serve me. But what happens is when you encounter Jesus and you encounter the Holy Spirit, that shift has gone from, I'm not going to gratify that flesh anymore, but what I'm going to do is serve my community, serve my family, serve my workplace humbly and in love. So Paul is saying it is not a green light to sin. In fact, if anything, it's a green light to love and serve your community because he goes on to say this, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. So those who walk in the Spirit, this is verse 16 again, will not gratify the desires of the flesh uh, verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Has anybody ever been in a moment where your spirit and your flesh is at war? I see that hand. I see that hand. Let me tell you about Tuesday morning for me. Tuesday morning, I left the house at 7.35. For those of you that listen to Light FM, yes, there was an accident on Plenty Road. What happened is a person driving a truck, a bin, had come off the truck causing a traffic jam. I do not know this. I'm on my way. Then what happens is I get to a place on Plenty Road where they're doing the roadworks and I'm between a boulder uh, of concrete and I'm between one of those steel things that if you go off track, they keep you on the road. Therefore, I cannot U-turn. Then what happens, because of the traffic jam, a lady with an older vehicle also breaks down. So what was what, two lanes going to one has now been two lanes going to zero. Three hours in the car. Yeah, thank you. I felt the, I felt the empathy. <laughs> It really was like that. Like the first half an hour, I was okay. I was singing. I was fine. I was all good. There's no problem. The second half an hour, I'm like, oh, this is getting a bit long. So I had baby wipes in my car. I wiped down the dash. I, I did the middle island, you know. So that was going real good. Then the next half an hour, I made phone calls. I'm like, Geordie, I'm going to be late. We had the staff meeting prepared. I was getting agitated. He said, what do you want me to do? I said, I don't know. Be productive. Another half an hour goes by, April starts getting the call. I am getting agitated. I am getting ready for what we will learn about as a fit of rage. I had not moved. I had called nearly everybody in our community. No one wanted to talk to me. I was, I was getting ready to lose it. And then April, I call April, I'm like, I am, I am stressed. She goes to me, why don't you work on your sermon? Galatians chapter 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. Peace, <laughs> patience, joy. So what had happened in that moment is I'm like, the spirit and the flesh was at war. I didn't want to do sermon prep. It would convict me. But what had happened is this is what happens in our life. 
this is what happens is we have what we want to do and then we have and are experiencing what the Spirit wants us to do. You see, it goes on to say here, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So what's happened is Paul has set it up. He says it's not a green light to go on sinning. In fact, it's a green light to go serving. And then he goes on to say that if you walk in the Spirit, you actually can overcome the flesh. Even though they're at war with one another, it says here, and it's and it promise, it says, so if you walk, if you make a choice to submit your life to the Holy Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So he said, it's not a green light. You won't gratify it if you live a life that is submitted to the Holy Spirit. But let me show you what your life could look like. He goes, because the way the flesh manifests itself is one way. And the way the Spirit manifests itself is another. So he goes on. This has been read before. He says in verse 19, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, fractions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, I know that every person in this room begins to be uncomfortable with even the thought of those things, but yet the Bible says this is what the flesh is. So without the Holy Spirit in your life, look at what your life could look like. But I thank the Lord that I know Jesus. And I thank the Lord that I've received the Holy Spirit because though that may be what my life looks like, this is what I pray and I'm striving towards my life to be. Because it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against these things there are no law. I know what I want to be. And as I look at this and I go, okay, I need to submit my life to the Holy Spirit. Do you know what's crazy is because whatever the flesh can throw at me, God has provided me a way to overcome it. You know, sexual immorality. You go, well, no, because I've got love and I've got faithfulness. Well, what if it's idolatry? No, once again, I've got love and, and I've got faithfulness. What about fits of rage? Well, no, as I submit to the Holy Spirit, I have self-control. You see, whatever the flesh tries to throw at me, I know that God has provided a way for me to overcome it. But it starts with me making a choice to submit to who He is. Paul is answering the question through a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You no longer need the law because you will fulfill it as you pursue Him. So then this is where I want to land today. And I've rushed because I want to allow time now that we unearth this, but then we respond to it. So I might get uh, Andy, I think was Andy. Can we give Andy a hand? Andy, you're an incredible man. Andy is now the music director at East. He does still remain at both campuses, and you're doing a fantastic job there. It was awesome this morning. Um, love you, man. That's fruit of the Spirit. I love him. I do, bro. You're an absolute, you're a legend. So as I pondered and thought about the word this week, what, what was really interesting to me is my, my uh, 
uh, April's parents, my in-laws, John and Joe, they bought me a Bible uh, and April when we got married. And it was a New King James version. Is there any New King James people in the house? Look at that. That's a lot of people. That is, you are some loyal peeps, word for word. Most accurate translation. Everyone still gives a lot of band. It's NIV, it's NLT. It's the message. Ooh, controversial. I saw away from the back. I won't tell you who that is, Brad. So if we look back now at verse, I want to look at verse 16. I want to look at verse 25. But I want to do it out of the New King James, and then I'll bring it into a moment where I pray it propels you into a new season for your life. You see, in the New King James Version, verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Everybody say walk. In verse 25 in the New King James, it says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Everyone say walk. walk. Do you know that in the original language, these two walks are actually two different words. You see, the first one in the original language is uh, peripateo. Mark, I practiced that on the way over here. Peripateo, that's the generic, normal, standard word for the word meaning walk, okay? So that paints a picture in the Jewish illustration of the walk of life. You see, we've all got a walk of life what I might do, I might put on an angle so that you can see what I'm doing. The walk of life. See, at the end of chapter 6, Paul begins to talk about it's not circumcision, it's new creation. You see, because of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit, we are a new creation. You see, our sin, it was nailed to the cross because God wanted it under the sentence of death. And we no longer live in that place anymore, but we live restored to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we experience the Holy Spirit in our life. We become a new creation. So when we walk with God, we walk in community with the Holy Spirit. Verse 16 says, walk in the Spirit. This is the walk of life. Hey, I'm walking along and I'm struggling with forgiveness. Now, I know where I am in forgiveness, so I know that God is, is leading me that way. Or maybe I walk and it's to do with my finances and the Holy Spirit is convicting me. And I know the, the Holy Spirit needs me to head that way towards financial management and stewardship. Or, or maybe, maybe there's personal habits that, that are wreaking sin in my life and I can feel as I walk with the Holy Spirit in my life, this conviction that I need to get to a place where I'm restored to purity. What's happening is this walk with the Spirit talks about the walk of life. But in verse 25, the word walk means something else. The original word is stokio. That is 
like a military stance. It means to stay in step with. It means to make sure that where they lead, that you follow. You see, what really this is painting holistically is that if the Holy Spirit has given me a new life, that's 16, 25 says, if you've given me the life, now you direct it. Let me follow you. I will go where you lead. You know, for Kiara, she said, where Jesus goes, I want to follow. I am His sheep. You know, in this chapter, in this verse 25, it is saying it is no longer just about the walk of life. It is about making a choice to submit your life to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because I find that what can happen is, is as I thought about my life, sometimes the Holy Spirit brings conviction, but I don't know how to get there. So what happens is I go, oh, Lord, I've got to work on that issue. Oh, my, my unforgiveness. Oh, Lord, oh, I know that you want me to head in that direction for, for the unforgiveness. I, I can feel you putting it in my heart. And I, I'm trying to get there, Father, but I feel like there's things that are stopping me, you know, but I know that you're convicting me. But because you walk with me, I want to stay in step with what the Spirit is doing. So I can't understand. I'm not forgiving, but I feel like you're moving me sideways. But because I want to stay in step with you, Holy Spirit, I'm going to take that sideward step. And now I feel that you're leading me forward. And and one day He brings you into the breakthrough that you've been looking for. See, here's the thing with our lives is that we want the Holy Spirit present in it, but I don't just want the Holy Spirit in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. So are there times in your life, are there times in your walk of faith where the Holy Spirit is convicting you, but you're battling for control in how to get there? I'm not ready to forgive yet. I'm not ready. But yet the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, you need, you need to take a step closer. Am I leading you or are you leading yourself? You know I'm there, it's there. Because Paul is saying to the Galatians, you need to stay in step with the Spirit. Where He leads, you need to follow. If He's, if he's saying, no, no, you've got to let that go. You've got to let it go. If you're saying, in fact, you need to give them the money that they owe you, don't demand for it back. Because what's going to happen, it's going to help you to forgive. And what happens is eventually the Spirit is going to line you up that you begin to walk in breakthrough for your life. He gave me a new life and I want Him to direct it. I want Him to lead it. So what we're going to do in this moment Ben, if you can bring the lights down, I want us to stand for a moment, close our eyes. So I'll invite the rest of the band to come back up. Galatians is about the fact that Christ is everything and no more. But that in order for me to walk in the call, to fight off the flesh, I need to make a decision daily, step by step, to submit myself to the Holy Spirit. It is a choice that I make that I submit to His will for my life in order that He will lead me. Paul is saying, stay in step. Are there things that we're holding on to that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us through? It's like, I, I, I want to I hold on to that fear. I want to hold on to that grudge. I want to hold on to that habit. And the Holy Spirit is saying, stop. 
You know it's not right. Now let me lead you into a new place. Let me lead you into a place where you'll be free from that. Because when you walk with me, I will help you to overcome what you need to overcome and experience breakthrough. I know that we are all on a journey towards loving God better, to mature in our faith. But I also know that we all have things that we try to control in our own strength, but we need to let it go in order that we can walk in His grace, we can walk in His power, we can walk in His mercy and let the Holy Spirit lead us into breakthrough. So with every eye closed across this place, the reason why I ask that eyes would be closed is because I want you to be able to do your business with Jesus. It's not about being religious, it's about you spending your time with God. So with every eye closed, I ask this question. Are there people here that need to let go of some things in their life in order to let the Holy Spirit lead them into a new season? If that's you, would you raise your hand? Raise it quickly, raise it quickly. Wow, 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 wow. Amen. Breakthrough is coming today. Breakthrough is coming today. What are we singing? I never know the melodies. I don't know what that is. Sing that's good. There's a lot of hands raised, which means that there's a lot of victory about to be won. Because my Bible tells me that, that when I'm led by the Spirit and I stay in step with the Spirit, I overcome what I naturally want to go to. And I walk in righteousness. I walk in the power of God. I walk in the victory of God. And I know that He's going to lead us into a new season. There were many, many hands raised. If you raise your hands, would you come down to the front really quickly? Come right now. It's about half the community. Come now. Come now. Many hands. Action, action, fill the front. Come down here. You're submitting to the lead of God in your life. Keep coming, keep coming. Keep coming, there's more if you raise your hand. You come. Would you raise your hand if you're down the front? And if you're in the community, would you reach out a hand? In Galatians, it talks about that we carry the burdens of one another. Right now, Lord God, we speak into a new season. We speak into a new season that we would be led by you, Holy Spirit, that we would let go of what we need to let go of in order to walk in the breakthrough that you have for us. Fear is gone. We're letting go of fear. We're letting go of unforgiveness. We're letting go of anxiety. We're letting go of pain. We're letting go of lust. And we are walking in the call of God. We are being led by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you. 
community. Let's worship Jesus in this place. Father, we thank You, Lord God, that there are many people experiencing breakthrough in this place. We thank You, Lord, that we let go of what You ask us to let go of in order to take a hold of freedom, in order to take a hold of breakthrough, in order to take a hold of what You have for us in our life. And Lord, we thank You that it is because You love us. We thank You it's because of Your reckless love. Lord God, Your love that You gave up Your only Son in order that we could walk in freedom, in order that we could walk in victory. And today we take a hold of that once more. 
We take a hold of it once more. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us in Jesus' Name. Amen. None of them had the words, but God is still here. Can we raise our hands for a moment while you uh, do what you need to do to clean that up? Dear Heavenly Father, right now, we turn our focus on you. I thank you that it's not the music, it's your spirit. We thank you it's not perfection, it's your power. We thank you, Lord God, it's not our pursuit, it is your purpose. And right now, Lord, we lean into you. We lean into you, Holy Spirit, minister in a way that only you can. We're going to close this service very shortly, but I just feel just to sing whatever melody we have prepared one more time. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Come on, make it a declaration. Say that to your spirit. I've decided to follow Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 